In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of the blessed month of Thawut. And it's amazing me how we're already, we've come to the end of the first Coptic month. It feels like we just celebrated the new year and the time is just going so fast. The gospel of today is from Luke chapter 7, the gospel about the Lord's encounter with the sinful woman at the house of Simon the Pharisee. And the Coptic church, we love this gospel. We love this gospel. And we remember this encounter every night in the prayers of the second watch. And one church father, St. Hippolytus of Rome, said in the early 3rd century, Let's reflect on this gospel daily. Contemplate, contemplate on it day and night, at home, on the go, and in the churches. This way we won't appear at the fearful and impartial judgment, condemned, humiliated, and sorrowful. Instead, with purity in our actions, life, conversations, and confessions, we may hear the merciful and benevolent God say to us, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What Hippolytus was saying is very similar to what I think we pray in the second litany of the, of, the, of the second watch, or in the first litany of the second watch. Give me, O Lord, many fountains of tears as you gave this sinful woman. Make me worthy to wash your feet which liberated me from the path of straying, to offer you precious fragrant oil and gain through repentance a pure life so that I may hear your voice full of joy saying your faith has saved you. This woman, she became a great model, a great model of repentance. So today we want to be like this sinful woman who came to the Lord and received forgiveness of her sins. And from this amazing encounter, I think we can learn four amazing qualities necessary for repentance. The first quality or characteristic is boldness. Boldness. We see this characteristic in the Gospel of Vespers and Matins this morning. I wasn't at Vespers last night, but I read the Gospel of Vespers. And the, the Gospel of Vespers last night was about the woman who had the flow of blood. And she was the one who pushed through the crowds. So she could just touch the hem of the garment. And the Gospel from this morning was about the Canaanite woman. The Canaanite woman who came to the Lord seeking healing for her demon-possessed daughter. And these three women, these three women, the woman with the flow of blood, the Canaanite woman, and the sinful woman, these women, they show like a, a great message for us. They had immense boldness. They had immense faith to approach the Lord to be healed. Each one of them... If you think about it, each one of them could have stayed at home. The woman with the flow of blood, she's unclean. She could stay at home. She's not supposed to be out. She's not supposed to be around people, especially not to touch people. So her boldness is what got her to be, or what led her to be healed. The Canaanite woman, I mean, the Lord said something very bold to her. Said, you know... She, the Lord basically called her a little dog. 
And the Canaanite woman said, Yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. What a bold response from this Canaanite woman. And so when the Lord saw this boldness, He said to her, O woman, great is your faith. The sinful woman was bold also. The sinful woman was bold because she entered the house of Simon the Pharisee. She was a stranger. She wasn't invited. Like if she wasn't a friend of Simon, she wasn't invited to come into the house. Nor would, you know, the Pharisees and prostitutes, they don't really, like, get along. But with boldness, she entered into Simon's house. All three of these women did not let shame, did not let shame get the best of them. And this is the first lesson in our repentance, is not to let shame get... The best of us. Sometimes we are ashamed by our sins. And sometimes we are ashamed to admit certain struggles, especially in confession. And this is because sin is shameful. Sin is shameful. And it's, it's shameful and it's embarrassing to confess. It's embarrassing for you to confess. It's embarrassing for me to confess. we all embarrassed. We're all ashamed of what we've done. But we should not be ashamed to admit our sin. Because if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. One early church father, Tertullian, he said something very beautiful about confession. And he wrote it in the year 200. And the reason I'm saying the year 200 is because in these last days... Many people are attacking the sacrament of confession and saying, why can't we just confess before, before God? So, Samato, this complaint. So, let's hear what a Christian in the third, in the second and early third century said about confession. He said, regarding confession, some flee from this work as being an exposure of themselves. So, they put it off from day to day. I presume that they are more mindful of modesty than their salvation. Like those who contract a disease in the more shameful parts of the body and shun themselves from making it known to the physician, thus they perish along with their own bashfulness. That's what Tertullian said in the year 203. The repentant one needs to be bold to expose themselves, to say the truth about themselves, not to expose others. And Solomon, he says this so well in the Proverbs, he says, He who covers his sins will not prosper. If you cover your sins, you will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have, will have mercy. And this is what should inspire our boldness. We can be bold because our boldness is inspired by faith in His mercy. The beauty of the Lord is that when we expose ourselves, the more He covers us. He helps us. He guards us. He accepts us unto Him. So do not fear to expose yourself. Trust in the Lord's goodness to cover. When Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing that they did when Adam and Eve sinned was, huh? They covered themselves with 
fig leaves. They sewed to them like sewed fig leaves for themselves, to cover themselves. When the Lord saw them naked and barely covered, you can imagine, I probably imagine they weren't good sewers of leaves. So, you know, one put, kira, 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 trying to hold it on to, like, because this is, these are leaves. What did the Lord do? These were naked people, barely, like, like, putting, like, just trying to cover themselves. You know what the Lord did? It says that he made skins for them, animal skins for them to cover themselves. So the Lord prepared another covering for them in their nakedness. And this skin that the Lord prepared for them, this is foreshadowing this animal, this was an animal sacrifice that was used to cover them. This is foreshadowing the sacrifice of of Christ to put on Christ so imagine now these people had sinned and God covered them I imagine that when we sin and we expose ourselves Christ he puts himself on us to cover us this is why we should imagine I was thinking about the image of Christ's skin covering us what in a magnificent picture that is and when you look at the parable of the wedding garment, or the parable of the great banquet in Matthew chapter 22, it says that one didn't have the wedding garment. He didn't have the wedding garment. He didn't have the skin of Christ covering him. He didn't expose himself. So he didn't have this skin. This is also what maybe St. Paul speaks about when he says you need to put on Christ. This is what the father did to the prodigal son. Didn't he put on a nice robe and a nice jacket on his son? The beauty is, is that we need to be like the son in the story of the prodigal son. Say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You expose yourself, God covers, covers us. So, but we need this boldness. We need this boldness that the sinful woman had. The second characteristic of repentance is offering. Offering. And if you look at what the sinful woman offered the Lord, you'll see she offered many, many things. Awalan. She offered a costly alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And if you think about what this woman used this oil for in the past, she probably used this oil to, yeah, I mean, you know, to seduce and for sinful reasons. But the beauty is that she took this oil that she used for her sin and she brought it to the feet of the Lord. She didn't have a purpose for it anymore. And similarly, I think we should take the things that remind us of our sin and bring them to the Lord or get rid of them. Yani, like if we have, this is like practical, for if we have issues, masalan, with our phone, then we should offer our phone to the, like put some restriction, do something, like you can't repent and then not do, I have an issue, and then you don't do anything. Like about it. If I have an issue with music, like I remember 
the time I gave up music. Are you willing to give it up, offer it to the Lord? Like I took my CDs and threw them in the... We had CDs back in the day. And threw them in the trash. If we have issues with, like, any of the things, are we willing to offer it to the Lord? Last week we saw how Zacchaeus, he offered money. And he, you know, like tax collectors, they're all greedy, extortioners, all the stuff. Zacchaeus, when the Lord came to his house, he said, I gave... If, anyone, if I've deceived anyone, I gave them fourfold. He corrected. He offered something that was like that touched him. He gave it up. He made an offering. Any sin that we are dealing with, are we willing it to offer it up like the sinful woman? Our materialism, our possessions, anything that we need to get rid of, we need to offer it to the Lord. Not only did the sinful woman offer her possessions, she also offered her, her body. She offered her hair, her beauty. Imagine all the straight hair and all the night. She offered it to the Lord. The thing that she used to take pride in, and hmm, I'm so pretty and so wonderful, she put it at the feet of the Lord. And the body that was used for sexual immorality, she used in the service of the Lord to wipe his dirty feet. She used her hair to wipe his dirty feet. And I'll speak about this point a little bit later. The third thing that the sinful woman offered is her her tears. Tears, as the church fathers say, is the second baptism. And the three women that I mentioned to you earlier, the, the woman with the flow of blood, the Canaanite woman, and the sinful woman, I think they offered this sacrifice, the sacrifice of, the sacrifice of tears. And the sacrifice of tears is a powerful, powerful sacrifice. Because as St. Paul says in Romans 12, rejoice with those who rejoice and... Weep with those who weep. So I can imagine, now, that these three women, they came to the Lord and they were weeping. They were crying. One because of the flow of blood, the other for her demon. They were crying, weeping. And when the Lord saw these women weeping, the command says, weep with those who Weep. So when the Lord saw these women weeping, what do you think he did? He probably wept too. We know when he saw Martha and Mary crying, that the Lord also, he wept with them. So what's amazing to think about is that our tears elicit the tears of the Lord. And our, what I'm trying to say is our tears touch the heart of God. And the Lord is the one who promised to take away our tears. So in this context, then like sorrow, our tears, our sorrow is a good thing. And if one goes to the Lord with sorrow and with tears, it leads to, and it leads to repentance, good things come about from that. That's why in the second epistle to the Corinthians, St. Paul says, For godly sorrow produces repentance. Today we're talking about repentance. Godly sorrow, the godly tears, leads to repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of this world, 
the sorrow of this world produces death. So you see, St. Paul, he talks about two sorrows. What are you crying about? Or are you crying with godly sorrow? Or are you crying with the sorrow of this world? The so- godly sorrow leads to repentance. Repentance leads to salvation. The sorrow of this world leads to despair, leads to depression. It has no fruits and it causes greater harm. That's why St. John Chrysostom, he said something fantastic. He says, If someone grieves over the loss of their wealth, if you start grieving over the loss of your wealth, will your sorrow restore the lost wealth? Will it? No, it won't. It says, he says, sorrow for the deceased doesn't bring the deceased back to life. If you start, you know, if our loved ones pass away, you can be sorrowful. Will your sorrow bring the deceased back to life? He says, no. He says, sorrow over an illness not only fails to cure the illness, but may even worsen the condition. So if you have like a sickness and you're so sorrowful, that's not going to make yourself feel better. It actually might make you feel worse. So sorrow in all circumstances doesn't have a a good result. But St. John Chrysostom says, however, when someone sorrows for their sins... When someone feels sorrowful for their sins, they gain a unique benefit from their grief. Through this sorrow, their sins diminish and vanish away. How godly sorrow, how tears take away like our sin. This is the fruit of the offering of tears. And lastly, and most importantly, what we can offer, what we can offer is our love to the Lord. If sin, if sin is like a stain... If sin is like a stain on our garment, love would be the stain remover that takes away the stain. And you know this, right? You know that the blood of Christ is what? Removes our sins, what cleanses us from sins. And the blood of Christ was shed because of Christ's love for sinners. So this is like a very big idea. Christ took away our sins by loving us. Christ took away our sins by loving us. We can receive this forgiveness of sin by loving Him. We can receive the forgiveness of sin by by loving Him. So love then becomes the remedy for all sin. That's why if I sin against someone... What's the remedy for is love. The remedy is love. All sin can be viewed as the result of selfish love. But the remedy of sin is His love. To enter into His love. And that's why St. Peter says, Love will cover a multitude of sins. And that's why in the liturgy, we offer this love to the Lord when we say, Lift up your hearts. You reply. We have them with the Lord. You're saying we love you, Lord. Our hearts are with you, Lord. This is the basis for repentance. The offering of love. The sacrifice of God is a 
broken spirit, a broken and humbled heart, God shall not despise. We need to repent with the offering of love. Not because like our parents are telling us or because Abuna is encouraging. We are offering to God our offering of love. The third characteristic of repentance is transformation and healing. All of the women were healed or transformed by their encounter with the Lord. The sacraments of the church, all of them are transformational. Because the sacrament itself is like transformational. Like the sacrament of Eucharist, the bread and wine become body and blood. There's change. And after we take communion, there should be a change in us. We become united with Christ in baptism. We just had a baptism this morning. Water is blessed. It changes. And that water that changes also changes us from children of wrath to become children of grace. So the sacrament of repentance, every sacrament in the church should be changing us, transforming us. And what you see in this gospel is that the Lord transformed a sinful woman to be or an instrument of sin. Someone who used her body for sin and sexual immorality. He turned her body and transformed her body to be and now an instrument for righteousness. This is the power of confession. And we see it in all of the lives of the saints. And lastly, the fourth characteristic of repentance is, and this was kind of in a, a different one, is that to be a witness. To be a witness. After someone has received forgiveness of sins and they are told, go in peace, your faith has saved you, they should become a witness to God's grace. Actually, St. Ambrose he said something very nice. He said, whoever has pity on the poor anoints the feet of Christ. So I was thinking about this sinful woman, how she is washing the feet of Christ. But as she's washing the feet of Christ, actually, who's the one being washed? She is the one being washed. She's the one being washed. She's washing the feet of Christ. She's doing a service to the Lord. But actually, she is the one receiving forgiveness of sin. This is the truth about service. When we do service and we wash the feet of others, actually, we are receiving like forgiveness of sins. That's why in the, in the Acts today, it was about St. Peter who raised a woman from... From death. And what's written about this woman is very, like, remarkable. Is that it says the woman that St. Peter raised from the dead, if you read her description, it says, This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. And then as St. Peter came into the room to heal this woman, all the people in the room started to show St. Peter, hey, look, this is all the nice things that Tabitha has done for us. And so the church fathers say that her coming back from the dead was the result of, like, her good deeds. See how her good deeds saved her. This is also written about in the book of Tobit. Tobit, he said to his son, It is better to give alms than to store up gold. Better to give than to store. 
For almsgiving saves from death. Almsgiving saves from death, and this part's important. Almsgiving purges all sin. So, by service, you can receive, after you've received the forgiveness of your sins, you should become a witness. You should go and serve the others. And by this, you can receive the forgiveness of your sins. One last thing before we close, is that it's amazing to me in this gospel, that there was the sinful woman, she received... Forgiveness of sins. At the same time, he was, the Lord was in the house of Simon the Pharisee. He did not receive forgiveness of his sins. The question for us today is, are we going to be like this sinful woman who did these four amazing things? She was bold. She was bold. She made an offering an offering of possession, an offering of her body, an an offering of her tears, an offering of love? Or are we going to be like Simon and just sit there, and the Lord will say, you did not give me one kiss, you did not give me, you didn't wash my feet, you did not do, and you didn't offer anything. Or are we going to be like the sinful woman, and receive healing and transformation and service? I think today, each one of us, we need to choose to be like the sinful woman. Last thing that I read that was was very nice is that in Acts chapter 8, there was another Simon. Simon the Pharisee, he reminded me of another Simon. Simon the, the sorcerer. And Simon the sorcerer was actually baptized. But even though he received baptism... It's written that like the baptism did nothing for him. So it's not enough that you are just in the house like Simon the Pharisee, or that you're in the house like, or in the area where you received the sacrament like Simon the sorcerer. It's not enough. There has to be repentance. There has to be love coupled with the sacrament. You can come and take communion, but unless you do it with... Repentance, unless you do it with a heart full of love, the sacrament itself might not benefit you the same way. The beauty of this sinful woman is she took advantage of her situation. She made the most of the sacraments. I hope we can be like this sinful woman, to have boldness, to offer, to be healed and receive transformation, and then to be a witness and serve others. And glory be to God forever. Amen.